Hey there. I got a voicemail from a listener named Amanda Jaffe. She's been listening to our episodes about folks who fight back against insurance companies and outrageous bills. And she says she's kind of a bulldog on this stuff herself. But she says there's a snag. And maybe you can relate. I definitely can. When I call the insurance companies, I start to get angry to a point where maybe it's unproductive. So I need some guidance how to remain cool when calling insurance companies. Thanks. I'd really need the help. Bye. Yes. I have been thinking about this for months and months. We've been hearing from people who fight and fight and sometimes win. And a couple of things keep getting clearer. One, you're probably going to spend a lot of time on the phone, a lot of it on hold, and a lot of it with people who, for one reason or another, are not going to seem that helpful. And two, I keep hearing over and over again, you got to keep your cool. Okay, sure. But I keep wondering again and again, okay, how? And today, I think I've got exactly the person I've been looking for. My name is Lauren Taylor. I run Defend Yourself in Washington, D.C., and we teach people skills for stopping harassment, abuse, and assault. So for like a year, I've been describing this show as being focused on self-defense against the cost of healthcare. And Lauren is an actual self-defense teacher, has been one for like 35 years. And it turns out self-defense, the way Lauren and her colleagues teach it, is not just the hitting and the kicking. It is defending yourself against all kinds of encroachment, street harassment, creepy coworkers, just standing up for yourself. You might have noticed Lauren said her group teaches people skills for stopping harassment, abuse, and assault. And abuse. <laughs> I'm not sure that's too strong a word for how the healthcare industrial complex treats people. So Lauren herself is just wrapping up an epic fight about her health insurance, and she has been using self-defense skills all along the way. I'm not going to go into all the details. There's been so many things I honestly can't remember them all. But we talked through them because she's got them written down. This is also a self-defense thing, which is document, right? Just like you would with a stalker or a workplace harasser or a, even a, an abusive partner is document everything because you might need it. You teach this in the class. Oh, yeah. Like I walk in thinking I'm going to learn how to knee somebody in the nuts and you're like, get a notebook. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Well, people people do walk in thinking they're going to learn how to knee someone in the groin. And we do teach that. But I can't tell you how often in evaluations people tell us that they were completely blown away by all the other stuff that they learn, which is really about empowerment. Yes. Yes, please. Empowerment. Let's have some of that. This is an arm and a leg show about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter. I like a challenge. So my job here is to take one of the most enraging, terrifying, depressing issues in American life. And yeah, there's a bunch of those, but I'm sticking with this one and produce a show that's entertaining, empowering and useful. And here we are. Here is Lauren's deal. It starts in the early 1980s. I had saved up money and I was going to take some time and travel by myself. And a friend of mine told me about a self-defense class that she had taken. And I thought, oh, that's a really good idea. I should probably do that if I'm going to travel by myself. She says it changed her life. 
Like, as a teenager, she dealt with a lot of street harassment. And I had always thought that if anybody tried to rape me, there would be nothing I could do because, by definition, they would be bigger and stronger than me. And the real life-changing piece of the self-defense class was realizing that that was wrong, was realizing that I had power and that I could hurt somebody who was trying to hurt me. How did that feel? It's it's totally life-changing. I mean, even now, like to tell it to you, I still feel like a rush of energy through my body saying it. It's thrilling. It's like, yeah, holy yeah. shit. I'm not I'm not helpless. Right. I can protect myself. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I have power and and a big piece of it also is I have permission to do this and I deserve to be protected. I deserve to be able to defend myself. And all of those are not messages that most of us get growing up still and certainly not when I was growing up. So it's kind of like I caught the fever and then wanted to spread the gospel of self-defense. So she's been teaching self-defense since 1985. I asked her, how did it change your life? I mean, beyond the fact that you started teaching it, like, what did you do differently? She says, for starters, she did take that trip. And there was a night or two that didn't go according to plan. And her place to crash fell through. She was out late, lost, a little scared. And she took out a pen. So in case she needed to hurt somebody, she'd have a pen to hurt them with. She did not have to use it. But having a plan helped her keep cool. But that wasn't the big stuff. The big stuff was standing up for herself in other ways, like when her boss in a full-time volunteer gig started sexually harassing her. Before I would have like, you know, suffered and wrung my hands and journaled about it and called 12 friends and thought maybe there was something wrong with me. And, you know, all of those things I didn't do. I was just like, really? No, don't do this. (laughs) Um, And then what happened? He pretty much cut it out. Yeah. And then there was her mom, who did not deal well with Lauren being gay. It was painful. And then there was the final straw. We had a large family reunion, and she didn't invite my partner, and she invited my siblings' partners. Jesus, ouch. They'd had a lot of conversations, and now Lauren set a hard boundary. She put it in writing to her mom. There are some basic things I need from you, or I'm not going to be able to stay in contact with you, right? So... If there's a family event, my partner gets invited, that's self-defense. That first self-defense class Lauren took had not covered dealing with difficult family members. But Lauren says she'd gotten the message. That it was okay to stand up for myself. It was okay to require certain kinds of respect from people. It was okay to be who I was. That it wasn't my fault that people treated me as less than. All of that kind of stuff. And by the way, Lauren says the classes she leads now, they do cover all that kind of stuff. In other words, self-defense covers a lot of territory. The big idea is if you're in a tough spot, you want some options. And Lauren says she gives students a five-part framework, five kinds of options. They are run, yell, hit, tell, and go along. And they're not all literal. Like, run is... Leave, walk away, don't show up for the appointment, break up with the person, anything that makes you not there. And she says by yell, she means use your voice. Assertiveness or de-escalation or negotiation or, you know, that's not okay with me or don't come any closer or, you know, I won't come to family events if you don't invite my partner, right? Yell covers a lot of territory there. Everything with your words, pretty much. 
everything with words you use with the other person. Because there's also tell, which she says means also really broadly, get help. It can be getting help in the moment. Uh, This person is bothering me. Can I stand with you? And then there's longer term getting help, going to HR, going to a hotline, talking to a lawyer. Posting to social media. Posting it, right. Exactly. Hit is, well, it's actually hitting. They practice that too. And then there's the last one. Go along. We want people to know that that's an option, right? We're not saying always resist. We're saying resistance is successful way more than you've been told and way more than you believe. But there are times when going along is the smartest and safest thing for you to do. And for example, if someone's trying to take your property, right, if it's a mugging, and you want to get out of there unharmed, the smartest and safest thing to do is to give them your property. Yeah. I think you can probably see the broad outlines of how this could apply to wrangling with your insurance company or fighting unfair medical bills. I mean, talk about a mugging. It definitely reminds me of something I said when we started this self-defense series. We're not going to win them all. We just don't have to lose them all either. So that's Lauren's framework. Next, let's learn some specific techniques and how we can start applying them. That's right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service covering healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the big healthcare outfit, Kaiser Permanente. We'll have a little more information about Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. Meanwhile, our pals at Kaiser Health News have been putting out a podcast of their own. I started catching up with it this week, and it's terrific. It's called Where It Hurts. And the first season chronicles what happens when a rural hospital in Kansas closes up shop and leaves people without a local option. I'm not going to lie. It is painful. I mean, the show is called Where It Hurts, but it's also gorgeous. The reporter, Sarah Jane Tribble, grew up nearby. She stays with her parents while she does her reporting. And she gets right up close to the folks in these stories, like the 17-year-old kid who's struggling to take care of his ailing grandparents and himself. She connects with these folks and connects the dots to a broader history of the rural Midwest and her own family's story with incredible warmth and intimacy and clarity. The show is called Where It Hurts, wherever you get podcasts. Okay, how to actually use self-defense techniques with medical bills and insurance BS. We'll start with an example from Lauren's epic health insurance fight this year. We're not going to get into the story. It is too long and too weird, and it's not even really over. But we will zoom in on a moment when Lauren's on the phone and the other person opens by throwing up a roadblock saying, you probably did something wrong. I'm like, I'm already angry. What do you do now? And Lauren's like, I stayed on my agenda. Staying on your agenda. This is a whole self-defense thing. Lauren walks me through it. Here's the process, okay? Something's happening, you know, like somebody's harassing you on the street or whatever. Or you're calling your insurance and the other person is being really unhelpful. She says, you ask yourself three questions in this order. First, how am I feeling? It is probably not pleasant. I'm terrified. I'm angry. I'm upset. I want to cry. I feel humiliated. Yeah, good times. That's the first question. How am I feeling? Second, What do I need? Which is more big picture. Need to get a safe distance. Need respect. Third, what do I want? This one's more specific. What do you want from the other person? 
I want you to take your hands off me. I want you to take three steps back. I want you to knock before you come in my office. I want you to stop making racist jokes. Whatever it is you turn it into, I want you to sentence. And that is your agenda. What you want to happen is your agenda. So then when they do whatever people who are misusing power do, which is often guilt trip you or trying to manipulate you or blame you like, well, why were you there? Why were you wearing that? Why did you get drunk? It's just a joke. Well, I wouldn't have said it if you hadn't blah, blah, blah. Or why are you being such a bitch? You know, all of those things are to get you into their web of conversation and off of your agenda and you stay on your agenda. So if I say to you, please don't ask me about my personal life while we're at work. And you're like, oh, Lauren, you're so sensitive. Yeah, I'm changing the subject. Suddenly, we're not talking about what you want. We're talking about my perception of you. And you may have a pretty strong impulse to address that. Like, oh, geez, am I? Or I am not. But instead, I'm just going to say again, listen, Dan, I asked you. I only want to talk about work at work. And I really don't like answering personal questions at work. So please stop asking me. That's staying on your agenda. And so how did that happen in these phone calls? I just kept saying what I needed or I would keep saying, so what's the next step? What can we do from here? So, for instance, Lauren played out a long, long set of calls with her health insurance company and the state office that administers the Obamacare exchange in Maryland, where she lives. Whenever they hit an impasse, she would ask, what's the next step? And eventually the next step was file an appeal through the state attorney general's office. Lauren called the first person to pick up the phone did not have a super encouraging opening line. She was like, well, I'm sure you missed a deadline. And instead of saying, I didn't miss any of deadlines, because then we're into her conversation, I said, so please tell me more about how to appeal. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because, you know, she probably talks to 100 people a day. And, you know, people make all kinds of mistakes. And, You know, it's a big headache to her, I'm sure. So Lauren didn't take the bait. She stayed on her agenda. And after a while, once the appeal was really in motion, Lauren noticed this same woman who was now calling Lauren with updates, sometimes more than once a day, was singing a different tune and definitely some new words. She was using we language. Yeah, that's Um, what we like. Yeah. Right. So I was like, oh, this is going very well. She was like, we just need to figure this thing out and then we'll let them know. We language. Okay, this is great. And it's like, wait, how do I actually do this? Like in the moment, like here's Amanda's question again. I start to get angry to a point where maybe it's unproductive. So I need some guidance how to remain cool when calling insurance companies. Yeah, me too. Me too. And Lauren reframed it. She was like, okay, getting angry, that's not a problem. Not a mistake. It's a feeling that you're having, and it's a really reasonable feeling to have. And she says Amanda is nailing it and saying those feelings probably aren't going to be super helpful in this conversation. So you want a strategy, an agenda, a plan. If you can ground yourself in the fact that your strategy is to remain calm and confident while still being very assertive and persistent, that is a strategy. It doesn't mean that you have to feel great about what's happening or that you aren't upset the way that people are treating you. 
It just means that as a strategy, you are choosing to use this persona, this common, confident, assertive, persistent persona to try and get what you need. So, yeah, you're going to be mad. That's going to happen. You just don't want to act out those feelings in the conversation. So here's the actual advice part. You take those feelings and do them somewhere else. You, you know, go for a walk and pound the pavement. You vent to a friend. If you have a car, you roll up the windows and drive on a highway and scream. You find a place that's probably not alcohol or ice cream to to process those feelings because you don't want them just hanging out in you either. That's not good for you either. Which is to say, it's probably smart to have a plan going into the conversation about how you're going to deal with those feelings afterwards. Maybe even make a plan with somebody else. Call a friend or a family member who's in your house and say, I'm going to get on the phone with the health insurance company and we're going to call you afterwards and vent. Yeah, right. And then yeah, you know, yeah. I have a place for these feelings. Yeah. It's not that I'm squashing them. Right, right. There's a time for that too. I love that. But meanwhile, here I am in the conversation and things are getting hairy and I'm having a lot of feelings about it. I'm not so calm, I'm not so confident, not so calm. And Lauren's like, right, got you covered. You want to find a technique that helps you quickly get calm and grounded in the moment. She says paying attention to her breathing is her go-to. My way of doing it may not work for you or her or somebody else. People have to find what works for them to stay calm and grounded. So just a few ideas. It can be um, breathing. It can be feeling your feet on the floor. Those are my top two. But it also can be, you know, some people saying a quick prayer helps them. It can be orienting yourself to the room, like, what are five things I can see? Or can I find three blue things? And then what's one thing I can hear? What's one thing I can feel? Those orienting things that keep you very much in the present moment and also let you know, like, this may be incredibly upsetting, but right now I'm actually okay. Right now in this moment, I'm actually okay. You know, I may be scared about losing my health insurance. I may be scared about where the money's going to come from. But if you can say to yourself like, oh, right now I'm sitting in a room in my apartment and my loved ones are around me or my pets are around me or I have a plan for dinner or I'm going to call a friend. Right now I'm okay. So there's lots of ways to get present. And I think that getting present is what can help this woman and everybody else. What I hear you talking about, like when you get into the present, it's like, I'm moving my attention. I'm moving my attention from this feeling that I'm having that wants to be take up my entire field of attention. And I'm kind of like reminding myself that there are other things to give my attention to. And now that I know that, I can give my attention to my strategy. I, I think one thing that really strikes me about what you're saying is kind of reframing the question I start to get angry to a point where maybe it's unproductive. Right. And and I think the way that's framed is how do I not have the feeling? That's how I'm reading the question. The problem is I get angry. And what I'm hearing you say is like, not a problem. Not a problem. There are really good reasons to be angry. Yeah, for sure. So what you want isn't to avoid getting angry. It's just to avoid getting out of control because you probably are going to get mad. So you want to plan for it. And to review, Lauren's top two tips are one, have a plan for what you're going to do with that anger after the call, like how you're going to deal with it. And two, 
have a couple of favorite hacks for quickly refocusing your attention to your breath, some other sensation, whatever clicks for you. You're probably going to want to write down those tricks and practice them before you get on the phone. I really love this. And talking to Lauren, I realized being on the phone with the insurance company or the medical billing office or whoever else in the medical industrial complex you're talking with, we've got advantages we don't have in some other self-defense situations. Like one, you're not in the same physical space with that other person. They cannot see you scrunch up your face or gently rub your heart or pet the cat or silently count to 10 while they're talking, which is different from being face-to-face with somebody who could hurt you physically or emotionally. And two, you don't have an ongoing relationship with this particular person. Like It's not like telling your mom that you need her to invite your partner to family gatherings or telling your colleague to stop making racist jokes. Those are relationships that are going to keep affecting you and probably keep affecting other relationships. Here, you're like, Whatever, anonymous insurance company person, which doesn't mean you can act like a jerk to them because that's not going to help you. But you do have an escape hatch. Like, if you really can't take it anymore without losing your cool, you can hang up and call back later when you're ready and tell the next person, like, ah, gee, I got disconnected before. And I tell Lauren this, and she's like... Yeah, I was definitely thinking, you know, if you're too filled up with feeling to be doing something that feels useful, you can absolutely say, you know, I can't talk about this anymore. I'll call back another time. Oh, yeah, right. You don't have to like fake dropping the call. You can just say like, wow, I think I need to, I need some time to digest this. Right. I'd like to call back. I'll call back later. Yes. Speaking of calling back later, that's about all we've got time for today, but I am definitely coming back to this self-defense approach. I've started talking with some other folks who do what Lauren does. They've got insights for us too. And we're not going to stop learning the nuts and bolts of fighting for your rights either. It reminds me of something Lauren says she tells her students. If I teach you the verbal skills and you don't have the physical skills to back them up, you won't use the verbal skills. And if you only have the physical skills, you're not going to know what to do unless it gets physical. So, yeah, we're going to keep learning both. And it's going to be extremely satisfying. Quick housekeeping note for now. On our normal publishing schedule, our next episode would be due out on Thursday, November 26th, also known as Thanksgiving. Now, we've got a raging pandemic. You may not be doing your usual Thanksgiving gathering. In my family, we are figuring out what Zoom's giving looks like. And if you've got suggestions, please send them my way. But you may not be on your usual podcast listening schedule either. So we're looking to skip our regular episode that week, although we may have a little something for you somewhere in there and come back the following Thursday, December 3rd. Meanwhile, speaking of Thanksgiving, I've got something I'm very thankful for. This show has been selected to be part of Newsmatch. That's an awesome program from the Institute for Nonprofit News that matches individual donations of almost any size. So if you give us three bucks, Newsmatch turns it into six. If you give us more, Newsmatch turns it into twice as more. But here's the thing. Newsmatch does not work with our Patreon to qualify for Newsmatch, donations have to come in through our nonprofit partner, a group called Public Narrative. They are great, and they've been helping me since the beginning, and they have just updated their system for accepting donations online. Yeah, just in time. So to help out, to make a gift that literally counts for double, the place to go is armandalegshow.com slash support. And if you are already helping us out on Patreon, we would love it if you would switch your support over to this new system. It has all the same good stuff, and Newsmatch means that anything you give this year goes twice as far. Oh, and 
The new system also accepts one-time donations. And in November and December, it doubles them. It's an amazing way to set this show up for the coming year. We've definitely got our work cut out for us. If you're game to pitch in, I would so, so appreciate it. Armandalegshow.com slash support. And this may not be in the cards for you. Take care of yourself first. There's a lot going on right now. Hang in there. No matter what, I'll catch you in a little bit. Till then, stay safe and take care of yourself. This episode of An Arm and a Leg was produced by me, Dan Weissman, edited by Marion Wang. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is from Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. I borrowed the term medical industrial complex from Sana Goldberg, whose book How to Be a Patient is pretty terrific. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America that's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare outfit. They share an ancestor, this guy Henry J. Kaiser. He had his hands in a lot of different stuff, like he poured concrete, like the Hoover Dam, and a whole lot of basements in California. He made steel, smelted aluminum, built a big chunk of the U.S. cargo fleet in World War II, so the healthcare thing was a side project. And then when he died more than 50 years ago, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast, and Tanya English is senior editor for broadcast innovation at Kaiser Health News. They are editorial liaisons to this show. Thank you to Public Narrative. That's a Chicago-based group that helps journalists and nonprofits tell better stories for serving as our fiscal sponsor, allowing us to accept tax-exempt donations and participate in Newsmatch. You can learn more about Public Narrative at www.publicnarrative.org. Finally, thank you to some of the folks who have pitched in at armandalegshow.com slash support. Some folks even switched over from Patreon and tossed in a little extra at the news site, which makes a huge difference. Newsmatch is kicking in for 12 months worth of any increase when you switch right up front. So thank you so much to Lisa Sessler, Desiree Klein, Ken Sherman, Sarah Little, Aviva Levavi, the one and only D.B. Cooper, Amber Miranda, Brian Lannon, Dr. Braden Johnson, Abby Bott, Diane Solomon, Everett Mills, Michael Bosey, Elizabeth Main, Aubrey Drake, Johanna Schoon, Rob Siskevich, Rory Cornelius, Matt Finnegan, Jonathan Keane, Mary Gail Thomas, Douglas Burton, Daisy Arshiba, David Kusis, Claire McLaughlin, Michael Dunkey, Lenore Weissman, Linda Seymour, Amelia Bazell, Gail Eidman, Robin Caruana, Mike Wellrich, May Pennington, Terry Unterman, David Dostel, Molly Schmid, Gray Hilliard, Mark Johnson, Timothy Foster, Clifton McIntosh, Alex Kipp, Linda Peer, Adrian Vlock, Joe Mason, John Myers Bankson, Sally Curvin, Jack, Katie, and Jojo, Barbara and Alan Cuneo Kesselhout, Casey Dunstan, Lucas O'Brien, Sherry Pollock, Ellen Zemmel and Labe, Ann Schwartz, Laura Wolf Powers, Jeannie Marcoux, Lisa Rogers, Diana Schmuck, Ron Giddings, Jody Mayhack, Laura Curio Hudenpile, Margaret Rushton, Fred, Joni Friedman, Nina Sandlin, Natalie Lanzatella, Lisa Jane, Aaron Vach, LJ Martin, Barbara Vilaseca, Lori Bates Weir, John Stoner, Richard Lewis, Beth Morgan, Christine Iwasa, Rachel, 
and Emmy the Brooklyn Wonder Dog. Thank you.